Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Let's start off by giving a quick shout out to our sponsor, SeedsHereNow.com. Big thanks to James Bean and SeedsHereNow.com for supporting the show. SeedsHereNow.com is your number one source for high quality seeds. Of course, they do offer a money back satisfaction guarantee, and I think they use a time machine to ship your seeds to you. Make sure to support my friends at SeedsHereNow.com. All right, here we go. Welcome to the show, Podcast World. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff. This is episode 747 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to read a couple of listener emails. Before we get to that part of the show, let's do a few shout outs to a few of the kind folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it all off with the big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to my friend Thor's Trike Factory. Let's send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to my dude Mobius Grows. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Dio. Let's send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to a fellow breeder, my friend Rasta Green Thumb Genetics. Let's send a big thank you shout out to SC Dung Slinger. Let's send a thank you shout out to Captain Mojo. I want to send a big fist bump to my friend Luke. Let's send a special thank you shout out to Rasufa. I want to send a big thank you to Trojan. I want to send a big thank you shout out to my buddy Sam Heads. Then let's wrap it all up with the Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Orville Turner. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. And you know I do include a link in the show notes and in the video description to make it super easy for all of my friends to support the show. Speaking of support, I want to thank everybody for the words of support, encouragement, uh, the thank you, the constructive criticism, the positive feedback on the episode that I did about never giving up. I recently did a podcast episode where somebody sent me a message. They said they were frustrated with their growth. They were thinking about giving up. I gave some advice that uh, my main advice was focused on the grow room, but most of that advice was also applicable to life. You could apply most of what I said to most situations in life to uh, expand your knowledge, get better, uh, move forward and conquer obstacles. Uh, I got a lot of great feedback on that po- on that podcast episode. I got a lot of great emails, a lot of YouTube comments, a lot of good constructive criticism and positive feedback. There are a lot of great people listening to this podcast. So I wanted to take a moment and say thank you for all of the encouragement, the words of uh, support. That really meant a lot to me to read so many uh, positive words and so much great feedback on just a great episode that honestly, I didn't know was gonna have such a big impact. Sometimes I put out these shows, I think the episode about cutting clones and like selecting males and female plants and identifying sex and things, I think those are super important. The things sometimes when I'm just rambling and saying things that I was just touching on a subject here, that's when really people really seem to respond the most. So thank you, that was super cool to get such a great feedback. I am rambling now, let's talk about growing cannabis. This is a grow podcast. Thank you. Once again, you guys, I do appreciate it. Again, I do apologize for the throat clearing dabs. We won't ramble on about that. I did mention previously that I did load up a greenhouse with some plants. I'm happy to say the plants are alive. It hasn't been very long since I put the plants in the greenhouse. Since I'm recording this episode, there is not much to report. Uh, They look happy. They're rooting. Uh, The roots are spreading into the dirt. They're bigger. Not a lot to report. They're alive. I'm not sure if you caught it, but I did say that the male plant I put out in the greenhouse was a Jack the Ripper male. There are 
two Jack the Ripper male plants. It's a clone of the same plant. I put two of them uh, in different places in the grow strategically to work with the airflow to get maximum pollination. So if you're wondering, the plants that are in the greenhouse, the male is the Jack the Ripper. Over time, I will, of course, reveal some of the females out there, let you guys know what I'm working with. But it's a Jack the Ripper male out there in the greenhouse. Where do we go from there? I've got the note that says everybody looks happy. All the plants look super happy. That's really all I've got to report on those plants. I did recently in a podcast, uh, I may have appeared on another show. I may have been on Caribou Heart TV where I mentioned that I am now breeding with a new male plant. And a lot of people were a little bit confused, a little bit excited. Um, There's a lot of confusion because I haven't talked too much about it. I do keep some things kind of secret, some things under wraps. We talk about a lot of stuff. You have to have some secrets. That's how you win. Uh, But I didn't talk about this plant a lot. And then I did start talking about it. People were confused. Let me talk about the plant I was mentioning. I've got a male plant. I'm working with a male plant that is a BC lemon skunk male. It is a BC Lemon Skunk. BC is the seed company, BC Seed Company. It's from Vancouver, British Columbia. It's a British Columbia uh, Lemon Skunk. So the BC is not a back cross. A lot of people were asking, I saw on a message board, I saw on some forums, is that a back cross? Is BC for back cross? That could be what back cross is, but in this instance, it is uh, a BC. That's why it's first. If it was back cross, it would have been at the end, and I would have used a BX, which drives Pete crazy. Shout out to my buddy F1 Pete. I hope you're well. I hope somebody tags you in this. Uh, I would have used BX. You're right. BC does work good for back cross. However, it would have been at the end. This is BC Lemon Skunk. That stands for British Columbia. Uh, it's a lemon skunk that came from Vancouver, British Columbia. So that is a. Uh, it's a monster male plant. It makes amazing plants. We'll talk more about that in the future. I wanted to clear that up. That it is not a back cross. It is a BC seed company, a BC lemon skunk, a male, uh, what we're working with. Now, one more detail I do want to throw out there involving the same topic. This is not the same lemon skunk that is used in the lemon Jeffrey or the lemon sunrise or the Jack, the Tri- Jack Tripper. This is a different lemon skunk plant. The lemon skunk that is used for the lemon Jeffrey, the lemon sunrise or the, uh, the firefly, the uh, Jack Tripper, that is actually from Greenhouse Seeds. Um, That is a female. It's only a female. That's actually a feminized seed that I've been breeding to. So there's another ramble we could talk about when people talk about you can't breed to fem seeds. Well, you sure as shit can because I'm reversing fem plants and breeding them to other fem plants. I'm getting way off topic here, but we're just rambling at this point. Anyway, the BC Lemon Skunk that I've been talking about is a BC Lemon Skunk from BC Seed Company. That's a boy. That's a dude. The other lemon skunk I've had for years and I've talked about a lot, that is a female from Greenhouse. Those are different plants, completely different plants. Don't get confused. Wanted to clear that up. I hope that makes any sense to everybody out there. All right, let's segue into my next batch of notes here. I am recording right at the start of the month. Today is June 1st, so it is a good idea to take this opportunity to remind you to calibrate your equipment. If you've got a pH meter, an EC meter, whatever kind of meter you're working with, maybe you're using a Dositron, go calibrate all of those devices. Now is a very good time to do it. The start of the month is a beautiful time to clean up and calibrate things. If you've got filters, go clean them. If you've got something that needs to be cleaned up, Go clean it. Take the first of the month just to go polish shit up. It's, it's the start of the summer season. Get in there and clean some shit up. Get a head start on summer cleaning. Make the grow room shine. Get ahead of any problems. 
Go in there and find the issues. Go clean everything up. Go calibrate all of your meters. Clean the air conditioner vents. If you've got one of those portable air conditioners, that thing has a filter in it. If you've got another kind of air conditioner, could have a filter in it. If you're using a heater, that sounds crazy, but last night in Colorado, the heater came on because it got super fucking cold. If you're using a heater, maybe clean the filter on the heater. Everything's got a filter that needs to be cleaned. Maybe you're running some kind of hydro gear. Maybe you're running something. Maybe go clean all of the fans. Today is a good day to clean all of your grow equipment. For now, I'm going to focus on our pH meter. Recently, I was at somebody's grow and they were excited because they just bought, I recommended a Blue Lab pH pen. Blue Lab doesn't pay me. Uh, maybe I shouldn't even have said the brand, but I recommended a brand new Blue Lab pH meter to my friend. They went and got it. We showed up at their grow together. We're gonna hang out and work on their plants. My buddy busted out a Blue Lab pH pen, took it right out of the box, mixed up some nutrients and plopped it right into the solution and read it and said, pH is great. And I was like, bro, you didn't do that correctly at all. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, you got to calibrate that. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, you've got to calibrate your pH meter. And he didn't even think about this. Did you know? Do you know? I'm going to tell you now just because a lot of people apparently do not know that when you buy your pH pen in the instruction book, it is recommended that you soak that pH probe in a pH calibration solution for 24 hours before calibrating it. Did you know that? You just paid $100 for that device. Why not follow the instructions and set it up correctly to work correctly? We're going to rely on this device to measure the nutrient solution which we are feeding our entire crop. These nutrients, you paid a lot of money for the nutrients. You want those nutrients to give you maximum benefit on the crop which you are growing. Why wouldn't you make sure the tools that you just paid money for are not dialed in and calibrated fucking perfectly? That's what I would do if it were up to me. So. When you get that new pH pen, when it comes out of the box, the first thing you should do is set it in that calibration solution for 24 hours. It'll say 12 to 24 hours. It may say 24 hours plus on your package, on your instructions. Read those, do that. Some of them may not recommend it, but in the blue lab, it was definitely recommended in the instructions. And my buddy didn't even bother to calibrate it. He took it out. Sorry, I'm calling you out, bro. We're not gonna say your name, but he's listening. What's up, bro? Fist bump, hope you're well, salute. Uh, anyway, he took it right out of the box and plopped it in there and stirred it around. It was like, the pH looks good. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? But uh, adjust it, calibrate that thing, calibrate it. it needs to be, who knows how long it's been sitting in the box. Who knows if it got calibrated, who know what the, who knows what the guy at the factory calibrated it at. So let it soak in the solution, then take it out. Then there are very simple steps for calibrating a pH pin. Most of them, it's going to be a couple of buttons until one thing flickers. You put it in the four solution until it says four, then you're going to put it in the other solution, clean it off between solutions, pull it out of the four, rinse it off in clean water, then put it in the seven, then make sure it comes on at the seven. Then here's what I recommend. Buy another batch of four and or seven solution because just like I don't trust that calibration, that original pen calibration, I don't trust these solutions either. Sometimes they go dry. Sometimes they expire. Uh, I'm a suspicious fucking person. I got trust issues. I do not trust these calibration solutions at all. So I buy another fresh bottle of four and seven. I pour a little bit of them into little containers and then I re-dip my, so, uh, my testing probe into that and make sure it shows me four, clean it off, dip it into the other one, make sure it shows me seven on my backup solutions. Now I've got four tests that are positive that show me that it's actually calibrated the way that I, that I think it is. So I would soak it in the solution for 24 hours. Then when you're gonna go in the grow the next day, pull it out, clean it off, put it in the four solution, calibrate it properly, put it in the seven, calibrate it properly, clean it off between each of those, 
Then pour your other brand, your other bottle of calibration solution. Your backup standard is what that is, your backups testing sample. Then test those again and make sure that they all come out properly, four and seven, as you calibrate it. That way, you're double-checking your equipment. Like I said before, we're paying a lot of money for our nutrients. We pay a lot of money for the pH pan. We're putting a lot of money, time, space, energy, possibly felonies into our grow. There's a lot of things going into this. Why wouldn't we calibrate our pH pen and get the pH the best that we can? And if you're just buying the thing and using it, it might not be perfect. So I'm going to keep saying it, calibrate the damn pH pen, do it today, do it while you're thinking about it, do it while I'm rambling. It's only going to take you a few minutes if you've got the proper solutions. Um, like I said it before, we're spending all this money on nutrients. We want the plants to be able to uptake those nutrients. And without the proper pH, they won't. Some stuff will just get left out. You may be adding CalMag. Let's just say the bot those are two separate nutrients. You need two. We're going to stick with the bottle of CalMag. It's sold in one bottle most of the time. You're buying this bottle of CalMag. If your pH isn't right, you're putting the CalMag into your feed solution. You're pouring that into the plants. And guess what? It's falling out of the bottom. They're not even eating it because your pH isn't correct. So adjust, correct that pH. Most of the plants, I'm not going to delve too far into pH. I wanted to ramble more about uh, calibrating your equipment, but most plants are going to like a pH of somewhere between 5.8 and 6.4. Uh, if you can get within that range, most of your plants will be happy. Do pay attention. Uh, maybe 6.3, 6.2 will be a little bit better. This will depend on the age of your plants, uh, the size of your plants, of course, the health of your plants, the growth stage of your plants, also the amount of food you're giving them. A lot of stuff will depend on, will make also the medium. I was going to say, if you are, you're in cocoa, are you in soil, soilless mix? What are you doing? That's going to make a big difference also. So get that pH dialed in. Most importantly, get your equipment dialed in. Go clean some shit up. Clean the fans, clean the air conditioners, go clean your scissors, maybe buy some new scissors. If you've been cutting a bunch of clones, Maybe today is the day to buy some new scissors. If you're using a sprayer to spray the garden, clean the shit out of that thing. Another thing we can think about is inventory. Do you have enough nutrients to get yourself through the crop that you're working on now? Do you have enough gloves to get yourself through the crop which you're working on? Are you prepared for harvest? Are you about to cut down some plants? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Right at the first of the month is always a good time to go take an inventory, order all of the shit that you need for the rest of the month. That way you don't have to stress about it. That way, like on watering day, when it comes time to feed, you're mixing up, you got your pH probe in there. You're like, I need some CalMag. You go, oh, fuck, I'm all out of CalMag. You don't want to find out while you're in the grow mixing shit up. Go check right now. Go shake the bottles. Go make a Google Doc. Go make a spreadsheet. Uh, go start making a list of things that you use and then mark how much is in each bottle. Keep track of it. Figure out how often you got to buy it, how often you got to order it. Also, this will help you keep track of how much you were spending in the garden. Then you can determine how much you are spending per pound or per ounce every harvest in your grow. All right, I've rambled on enough about the first of the month adjustments. Uh, let's move on a little bit. Another thing that I did notice in my friend's grow, yeah, your grow, bro. We're gonna talk about this real quick. Uh, my buddy's running three and five gallon pots in his grow room. He's got cocoa amended with perlite in there. Uh, he's got plastic pots. The plants look pretty good for the most part. There could be, he knows what he needs to do to make them look amazing. We don't need to air his business. We are gonna call him out for one thing though. My dude is way overfilling his pots. When you guys are putting, this is my recommendation. You guys and gals uh, can do whatever you want in your grow, but my recommendation, this may help you out. This may be uh, just my buddy's brain fucking really dinged when I gave him this advice. Um, he fills the pots completely with cocoa. So it, let's just say that a five gallon pot is this tall. It's not, but we're gonna say that. The five gallon pot is this tall. My dude had cocoa to here. Like it was to here. It was almost falling out of the pot. 
And I was like, bro, why'd you put so much cocoa in there? And he's like, it's a five gallon pot. Why wouldn't I put five gallons of cocoa in there? I was like, that's a really good thought process, but how am I going to water this shit? And he's like, what? And I was like, I'm pouring in water and it, I have to stand here and just fucking wait for it, dude. So I've got my watering container and I'm pouring in the water. It's going to need somewhere between probably like a half to maybe uh, two thirds of that gallon of water that I've got. But instead of just being able to pour it in there, it's like running off the top of the pot because he's got it so full in that cocoa. It's not hydrophobic, but it's packed in there pretty well to where I can't absorb it as quickly as I want to pour it. If, if my dude would have left, I don't know, maybe an inch, maybe two inches, maybe an inch and a half of space at the top of that pot, maybe just a half an inch, I'd be able to just pour that water in and it would spread across the top and then puddle down in there evenly. But instead, I'm over there just fucking trickling water in. So my advice to you, just leave a little bit of space so that that way we can get some water in the pot. You just pour that water right on there. Keep moving. Keep going. Keep growing. All right. I've rambled on enough. I did say I was going to answer some emails. Let's jump into the email portion of this podcast. This one comes from my friend Wicked Nugs. What's up, Wicked Nugs? Thank you for the great question. It does go on and it does say, I was just listening to episode 651. You're way behind, brother. Uh, Maybe you're caught up and going back, but thanks for listening. It says, and I had a couple of questions. How does a breeder find a gem bag seed and create a new strain from it, not knowing the lineage of that genetic strain and start breeding from it? That's a really good question. It says, I love the show and I listen to it during the grow, during the busy work life and the AirPods. And it feels like I just gained so much knowledge and helps pass time and I learn and take notes. Um, And that's what I'm thinking about. When I'm doing the show, I'm usually thinking that people are either watching on YouTube or they're working with me in their AirPods. So big up for uh, letting me know that I'm getting you through a work day. That's what I used to do when I was at the commercial grows. I just put on the AirPods and throw something good in the ears and just jam all day. And it would keep up. When people see two AirPods in, they know that you're not supposed to talk to you. So that always made life easy. Uh, Goes on uh, learning a lot of knowledge. Thank you, bro. I'm glad to hear that you're learning and taking notes. Uh, That's what the goal is here is to teach people, get everybody growing the best herb they can grow. So thank you for that. Um, Then it says, thanks for all you do, Rasta Jeff. Keep up the growing. P.S. I gave my mom a hug for you. Sincerely, Wicked Nugs. Big up, bro. Thank you. Now let's talk about the question. The question is, how does a breeder find a gem bag seed and breed from it not knowing the lineage of that strain? Um, That's a good question. And I've got a couple of different thought processes on that. First of all, uh, if it's a good strain, if it's a good plant, you can tell. Uh, It doesn't matter at all what the history, genetics, lineage, story behind it is. When a grower grows a plant, uh, we just go, oh shit, that's the one. Sometimes you just know. Sometimes you know that's not the one. Sometimes you hope it's the one. Sometimes you really, really know that that's the one. And if it's a random plant that nobody knows really the story of it, maybe it's just If it came from a bag, you know at least one half of it. It came from this bag that's called this. You know half of it probably. But um, now it's too easy to know all the stuff. Back in the day, so let's talk about a very famous cross. Let's talk about a very famous, very, very famous strain that happened a lot like this. I recommend, um, after you listen to this podcast, I recommend checking out The Legend of Chemdog and the 13 Beans. If you're a cannabis enthusiast, a strain hunter, a pheno hunter, that is something I recommend you check out because that will correlate very well with what I'm about to say. So um, Chemdog, all of the Chemdog line was bag seed to be, if you want to talk about bag seed. So this dude Chem bought some weed and in that weed were seeds and he grew them. 
and he found 13 seeds. And out of those 13 seeds, some were boys, some were females, some he still has. Some of those famous plants that came from that were the original chem dog, the chem 91, the chem D, the chem sister. All of those came from that bag of seeds. And we are all breeding. All of the breeders I know, everybody that's bred some stuff is breeding to one of those plants. We're breeding with one of those because that shit is fire. The only thing we know about it, well, since since it got so popular and since cannabis culture has uh, blossomed and developed, uh, we know a lot more about it. We don't know the exact genetics. We know that uh, a guy named, I know his real name, I almost said it. Sorry, bro, I almost said your real name. A guy named Kem got some weed from some guys in Colorado, and those guys called the weed the dog bud. Um, they called it the chem weed because it smelled like chemicals. And uh, when you smoked it, it would make you roll over like a dog. So one guy called it dog weed. The other guy called it chem weed. Um, these guys met up at a Grateful Dead concert. They traded some of it later on. Uh, Kim dog got home and he called them and he's like, can you send me more? They mailed more of it from Colorado. Kim found seeds in it. That's basically, well, that's the story. The other guys don't know the origin, genetics, lineage, or history of these plants, allegedly, possibly, maybe. Uh, so that's bag seed at that point when chem dog got it and started breeding with it, it was just bag seed, but he knew the weed it came from was fucking fire. So that's all he had to go on. Then he grew the plants. Once the plants were grown, some of them were amazing. That's why we all know Chem Dog, Chem D, Chem 91, Chem Sister. We've all smoked. Most of us have smoked all of those. If you're in a, an area where cannabis has uh, any sort of legalization, you've probably smoked those or something that somebody grew and tried to tell you was that. But they're really uh, prolific and dominant strains in the cannabis industry. So we've all, and a lot of the breeders have gotten their hands on them too. Once you see a plant like that and you grow it and you smoke it, you know that is something you want to breed to. Just like... Uh, pick my King Solomon. When I saw that, I was like, that's the dude right there. That's the guy to breed to. And then when I saw strawberry starburst, I was like, that needs some pollen on it. You just, it's a breeder intuition. So the question is, how do you breed to it without knowing the genetics or anything? Um, you don't need to know. It's really, it's really cool to know the history. It feels really nice. It's, uh, it feels good. It's a lot of cool details, but you don't need to know that. We were breeding plants and crossing cannabis plants long before we knew all this fancy stuff. A lot of us are spoiled now. The new generation, uh, I'm a little bit older than a lot of the youngsters out there, but I am also part of the internet generation where I'm freaking spoiled, where I could go on the internet and type in, I want to find these cannabis seeds and 45 websites will come up and I can order them. Luckily, I've got some, uh, I got a couple of friends in the seed industry, so I could get basically whatever seeds I'm searching for, but we're spoiled now. Back in the day, you had to get whatever seeds you got. If you got some bag seeds, you had to accept those and grow them. If you got some clones, you just had to hope they were good. And whoever selected those clones did a good job for you. Now we're freaking spoiled. So, um, the answer is just do it, bro. If the plants look amazing, if they have the traits you want, it's all about observation. It's all about knowing what traits you're looking for, knowing the goal, having a goal, understanding the plant, uh, understanding pairing. What plants are you going to put that to? What does this plant offer in a mix? How are you going to uh, complement the other plants? What are you going to do? And then, of course, growing them out and testing the offspring is another big part of it. But uh, by not knowing the lineage and genetics, how do you start breeding from it? Um, throw some pollen on it, bro, and see what it does. That's the best way to do it. That's one of the funnest things about breeding and growing weed, just seeing what the outcome is after you do some crazy shit. All right, my dude, um, thank you for the great message. Uh, big shout out to my friend Wicked Nugs for the good question. If you have any questions, corrections, concerns, or follow-ups, I'd love to hear from you. Of course, you've got the email address. Let's jump into one more email. This one comes from my friend Buzzards Bay. Shout out to Buzzards Bay. 
It says, it's been a long time. It's been a long time, bro. You know I'm coming up in May. It says, it's Buzzards Bay. I'm glad to see your success on the podcast. Thank you, brother. We're almost to 750 episodes, you guys. It says, come a long way since a couple of years ago. Yes, thank you for noticing. Uh, we're doing 4K video. Sometimes it's multi-cam when both cams want to cooperate. Uh, when I feel like fucking with both of them, sometimes I just want to smash camera two right onto the floor, but we're going to keep the vibe, the vibes positive here. It says, anyway... Um, I had a quick question about male selection. I can answer this question really thoroughly. When you make regular seeds and you find a male you really like, do you have clones of that male as a backup or is that male used once and then you find a new male to work with? For example, when you discuss King Solomon, do you have a backup clone of him? Thanks in advance. Stay iry, my bro. Peace. Oh, excuse me for burping in the middle of your message. Peace from Buzzards Bay. Buzzards Bay, thank you for the great question. Um, so a lot of you may not know, a lot of you may know. So I'm the head breeder, the uh, sole proprietor of Irie Genetics Premium Seeds, and I do make a lot of seeds. You may know, you may have heard about my male plant known as King Solomon. It is in a Rise F1 male. I've named him King Solomon. Uh, if you research King Solomon, you'll get the joke behind that. Uh, but King Solomon makes a lot of plants. Our friend Buzzards Bay is asking, do I keep a mother plant or a father plant, if you will, of King Solomon? Or do I find a new one every time? Or do I have clones of backups? Now, that's a really good question. Here is honestly how I do it. I do keep a plant of King Solomon all the time. I've got one uh, main mother plant that I keep. It's a father plant, I guess. It stays in a five-gallon pot right under the middle of all the lights in the bedroom or in the mother room. That is where he chills. That is King Solomon's spot. Uh, he'll get big, he'll get bushy as soon as he's big enough to start giving me a few clones. Cause I re I reclone him every so often. I talk about that occasionally. So I'll start growing him. I'll get a fresh clone of him. Let's just say I just cut brand new clones. I got a brand new clone of King Solomon, put him into a pot, grow him up. As soon as he's big enough to give me a cut, I take another cut. Um, then I put that one in a smaller pot and they just keep going. So I've always got one or two of King Solomon around just to keep that one alive, just because that's my gem. I've always got him around at least the big one, probably one or two other copies of him as well. Now, if I need clones for breeding from him, I generally take them from the biggest plant. I'll just go grab a few off the biggest one because that one's getting big. It's going to have to get cut down or do something with it eventually. I'll go get as many clones as I need and then I'll grow those out, throw those into the flower room so I can make my pollen happen there. Um, then when that one gets too big, cut him down, let the next plant keep going and just so basically, I keep one big father plant for approximately three to six months, depending on how big he gets and how many cuts I need. Uh, it's a male, so I generally generally only need two clones of him at any time, uh, plus a backup, plus the mom. So um, yeah, that's how I do it. But I keep one big plant, and I cut clones off that as needed. And then about every once or twice a year, I cut him down and start him over and give him a fresh, uh, cut a bunch of clones and keep the best two as the brand new starters. I wouldn't want to try to start again from seed every time because... I know that King Solomon's reliable. Finding a male is a struggle. Uh, maybe not a struggle. It's a, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. It's a project. It's a real, uh, it's work. So finding that male, I have to grow out seeds. I have to eliminate the females. I got to find the dudes that have the traits I want. Then I got to kind of audition those and narrow them down. Once I've chosen what I like, then I have to pollinate stuff. Then I have to grow that out. So it's a big process choosing a male. So I definitely try to keep the same dude around. Um, there is a Jack the Ripper male. There's an Arise male. Of course, there's the BC Lemon Skunk male. Those are all kept around uh, in big pots in different areas, different locations, so that the pollen never gets crossed ever anywhere 
Uh, the males are in different places. That way we know that there's never, I call it the Maury Povich situation. We always know who the baby daddy is in I read genetics. All right, my buddy Buzzard, thank you for the great question. That is all I've got for you guys for this episode. I want to thank you again for listening to episode 747 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. You know I'll be back in a couple of days with fresh new content. Uh, if you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, make sure you send me an email. The email address is, of course, growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Anything else you may need is on my website at iregenetics.com. There's a link to the Discord. There are vendor links. There's a merch link. Uh, there's a way to sign up for a mailing list on there. Also, there's a link to the Discord server. Make sure you check out the Discord server. Don't miss the party happening on the Discord. I hope to see you there. Uh, that's all I've got for you. I'll be back in a couple of days with fresh new content. I want to give a big shout out to my friend Ronzel. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me. Thank you.